You've reached the CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. CNA Newsroom. Welcome to CNA Newsroom. Garnett Genus is a member of Canada's Parliament. He's pretty young for a lawmaker. He was only 29 when he got elected to Parliament. Now, with a little bit of experience under his belt, he's 32. On a wall in his office is a picture you wouldn't expect. It's a black and white photo of a stern-faced Catholic bishop. The bishop's name is Clemens August von Galen. He wasn't a bishop in Canada. He was a bishop in Germany. And he was a bishop in Germany during the regime of Adolf Hitler. Genus keeps von Galen's portrait in his office because he says he wouldn't be alive if it weren't for von Galen. His grandmother was born in Germany in 1930. Her father was Jewish. And so she went into hiding for most of World War II, and she survived. Bishop von Galen didn't personally shelter Garnett's grandmother, but she always said that she survived the war because of the Catholic farmers in and around Munster, von Galen's diocese. She believed that that was because of the general environment of Catholic respect for the human person and respect for human rights that was developed in that diocese. This is Father Daniel Utrecht of the Toronto Oratory. He wrote a book about Blessed Clemens August von Galen, the Lion of Munster. She basically believed that Cardinal von Galen, the bishop as he was then, was in some sense responsible for her survival. And so her children, grandchildren, believe that Cardinal von Galen is responsible for the fact that they exist. This week on CNA Newsroom, we bring you the awesome story of this great bishop. He spoke out against the Nazis and their crimes against humanity when almost everyone else in Germany was afraid to do so. Narrating this episode is Christoph Wimmer. He's the editor of CNA Deutsch, Catholic news agency in German. I bet you didn't know we have that, but we do, and it's cool, and so is Christoph. Anyway, here's the story. Father Daniel first became acquainted with Blessed Clemens August von Galen because of three historic sermons the aristocratic cardinal delivered in the heart of World War II. Father Daniel was actually in Germany in 1991, on the 50th anniversary of those sermons. He met von Galen's nephew, who invited Father Daniel to lunch at the von Galen family estate. Von Galen's family shared countless stories with Father Daniel that day. One story that he told me about his uncle that really struck me was that his uncle told him, he said, we Galens were not very smart, we're not very clever, but we're brutal Catholic. We are brutally Catholic. And I really like that story. Blessed von Galen was born in 1878 to a noble German family in Münster, a city some 300 miles west of Berlin. He was the 11th of 13 children. His boyhood was in a very Catholic environment, almost totally Catholic village with a very austere kind of lifestyle in the, in the family home. The von Garlands went to Mars daily at a chapel on the grounds of their family estate. And the children were always told that if they were late for mass, they wouldn't get any butter on their bread for breakfast. And if they, were, if they missed mass, they wouldn't get any breakfast at all. Every evening, the family spent time in prayer. Blessed von Garland's father was a member of the German parliament for the Catholic Center Party. The whole of his work in politics was inspired by his Catholic faith. And so when he was at home, 
the kind of, of reading and discussion that he encouraged in the children was looking at political and social issues from a Catholic perspective. His great-uncle was a bishop who was influential in the development of Pope Leo XIII's encyclical on social justice, Rerum Novarum. Another uncle was an auxiliary bishop in Münster. After some years at boarding schools in Austria, von Galen entered the seminary. He was ordained a priest in the Diocese of Münster in 1904. Soon after, he was assigned to a parish in Berlin. And Berlin was not a predominantly Catholic town, and it was not only uh, not Catholic, but in a lot of ways had become not very Christian because of a change from an agrarian to a factory kind of economy. A lot of young Catholics were moving to Berlin to find jobs and then needed a, a, a kind of um, place that would help them to hang on to their Catholic faith. Von Garland built a large residence for young Catholic men moving to Berlin for work. In addition to his parish work, Von Galen encouraged the men in their faith and helped them find jobs. As a priest, he often wrote about the origins and limits of state power and the importance of voting, and he supported the Catholic Center Party. He was in Berlin for over two decades. And then as the National Socialist Party of Hitler was becoming more influential and even getting some influence among Catholic nobles, in Munster, which was his home diocese, uh, the bishop thought it was important to have him come back to see if he could have some influence on the association of, of Catholic noblemen to keep them loyal to, to the church and loyal to the center party. Munster was by no means a pro-national socialist town. In fact, Hitler never visited Munster because it was staunchly Catholic. But some Catholic nobles in Munster supported Hitler's National Socialist Party because they were concerned by the Center Party's frequent coalition with the left. So they were you know, concerned about a Catholic issue in, in that uh, uh, you know, the church was, was against communism as well as being against Nazism. Many bishops in Germany banned Catholics from becoming members of Hitler's National Socialist movement. But then Hitler seemed to soften his anti-religious stance, saying the new Germany he was going to build would be based on Christian principles. Many German bishops took Hitler by his word and allowed Catholics to join the National Socialist Movement. In the year 1931, von Galen took up a post as pastor of a parish in Münster. Two years later, in 1933, Pope Pius XI named von Galen Bishop of Münster. It was the same year that Adolf Hitler took power. Von Galen was chosen after two other candidates refused. I think at least one of them, and perhaps both, knew that it was going to need somebody with more kind of physical strength and, and also perhaps outspoken courage to, uh, to handle this situation. Count von Galen was the first diocesan bishop to be consecrated under Hitler's regime, and he took the episcopal motto, Nec laudibus, nec timore. It's hard to get a good, perfect translation of these little Latin phrases, but uh, it's based on a phrase in the liturgy for the consecration of a bishop, uh, at least in the old rite. I'm not sure if that's still in the new rite. Bishops will fulfill his obligations of 
preaching the faith, moved neither by the praises of men nor by, by fear of men. And the new Bishop von Galen immediately encouraged Catholics in his diocese to adopt the motto for themselves. That praise and fear, neither of those should deflect us from our practice and our living of the Catholic faith. So he knew that uh, fear of, of other people's opinions or, or, the, or the temptation to be praised for, by going along with uh, kind of what he knew was going to happen, that neither of those things should turn one away from, from faithfulness to, to Christ and, and the teachings of his church. Bishop von Galen quickly became one of Germany's most outspoken bishops, decrying Nazi Germany's racial and anti-Jewish ideology and rising neo-paganism. Together with this paganism was, was also the idea that there's no universal morality. Morality is what suits the racial spirit. And so there's no such thing as an absolute right and wrong. There's no such thing as sin. And therefore, there's no such thing as redemption. The only redemption that the Nazi ideologues were talking about was the kind of redemption of the German race that's being wrought by Adolf Hitler. Von Galen, because very popular both inside and outside his diocese, also quickly became the target of Nazi propaganda. But he was so popular and the diocese was so staunchly Catholic that he was never arrested, but he was sometimes warned that he was straying too much into politics and that he, he should kind of keep his mouth shut and you know, say his prayers, I think. And what we do, we will begin, but in Deutschland weiterleben. Back in 1933, Hitler seemed to soften his anti-religious stance. He said the new Germany that he was going to build would be based on Christian principles, and he said the Lutheran and Catholic churches would be crucial to the building of this new Germany. Soon after, the Holy See signed a concordat with the National Socialist Party. The agreement acknowledged the rights and responsibilities of the Catholic Church in Germany, and the rights and responsibilities of the German government. However, systematically, the government over and over again violated the terms of the Concordat. The Nazis seized church property. They shut down Catholic organizations. They imprisoned or killed priests and religious. The German bishops' conference reacted with letters of complaint or personal complaints to German officials. But such complaints were always lodged privately. From the time he was installed as Bishop of Münster, Bishop von Galen worked to convince his brother bishops and the president of the German Bishops' Conference to publicly condemn the government's violations of the Concordat. Because von Galen was one of the newest and youngest bishops, he was, he was like, Münster's a huge diocese, I think it's the second largest in Germany, but, but he was a junior bishop and he couldn't when Cardinal Bertram, who was the head of the, of the bishop's conference, around to his point of view, but he kept trying to encourage him that the bishops needed to make a more public stance in defense of the church, and that every time they did do something public, things, things were better. The Bishop of Berlin shared von Galen's opinion, as did the Vatican's then Secretary of State, Eugenio Pacelli. In 1937, Pius XI and Cardinal Pacelli invited five German bishops to Rome to discuss the situation in Germany. Bishop von Galen was one of those bishops. 
That meeting resulted in Pius XI writing his anti-Nazi encyclical Mit brennender Sorge, or With Burning Concern. The encyclical was the first written in the German language. It detailed the Nazi regime's systematic violations of the Concordat and it condemned its racial, relativistic ideology. The document was smuggled into Germany and secretly distributed to all German bishops. With the uh, instruction that keep it secret, no one's to know about this until it's being read publicly in all the churches on Palm Sunday. Bishop von Galen went one step further. He brought the encyclical to a printing house in Münster that generally did printing jobs for the diocese. He asked the owner if he would be able to print copies to secretly distribute throughout the diocese. With the realization that this could be dangerous for the printing house. The owner of the printing house said, yes, we can do this, and uh, worked secretly day and night printing as many copies as they could. So it ended up that several hundred thousand were, were distributed in Munster. That Palm Sunday of 1937, the encyclical was read to German Catholics from pulpits across the country. It took the government completely by surprise, took the Gestapo completely by surprise. Father Daniel said the encyclical was well received by Catholics, Protestants and even the Jewish community. Finally, we're hearing a voice speaking on behalf of human rights and morality and justice. The Nazis closed the printing shop in Münster. The owner wouldn't get his property back until well after the end of the war. We'll be right back. Hi everyone, this is CNA producer Jonah McKeown, and I just wanted to jump in to remind you that our bonus episodes for CNA Newsroom are now their very own podcast. It's called CNA Editor's Desk. You can find CNA Editor's Desk by searching on your favorite podcast app or by clicking the link in our show notes for this episode. Rest assured, episodes of CNA Editor's Desk are pretty much exactly the same as what our bonus episodes used to be, but they're even better. You're just going to have to listen for yourself. Episodes of CNA Editor's Desk come out on Fridays, so make sure you subscribe right now so you don't miss this week's episode. Every episode of CNA Editor's Desk brings you the news that you need to know and insightful analysis to help you understand it. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to both CNA Editor's Desk and CNA Newsroom. Now, back to the episode. Welcome back to CNA Newsroom. We are taking you back to the year 1941. Here's Father Daniel. Early in July, Munster was targeted by the uh, Royal Air Force with a bombing attack and this, a series of bombing attacks. And that was the first time the reality of the war really hit home. At the same time, the Gestapo began to seize the property of religious orders in Munster. Priests and religious were expelled from their homes, given only 24 hours notice to leave the city and the province. This had been happening in other parts of Germany, 
But it was the first time it was happening in Münster. Münster's cathedral had been damaged in the bombing, so those Sundays, German Catholics packed into a parish church to hear their bishop respond to the death and the destruction caused by the bombing. But instead, Bishop von Galen delivered the first of three historic sermons launching a direct attack on the Gestapo. In that first sermon, he spoke about justice and that justice is the foundation of states and that any regime, any state that is not based upon justice is in danger of collapsing and that if justice does not return to Germany, no matter what great victories our soldiers, our brave soldiers may have, Germany will collapse from within because of inner corruption and decay. That was pretty, uh, about as straightforward as you could be. Uh, and people started copying and distributing that sermon. The next week, Bishop von Galen spoke about the Nazis' violation of church rights. He said Hitler was working to destroy the faith of the young. He used the metaphor of a hammer and an anvil. We are like the anvil. Others are hammering upon us, trying to deflect us away from, from truth and from our, from our faith. But the anvil is stronger than the hammer and will, will outlast the hammer. And so what we need to do is resist firm, strong, stubborn resistance in order to, to keep our faith and in order to pass that faith on to, to our children. And again, that sermon was copied and distributed. The following week, he decried the Nazi government's systematic killing of the mentally and physically handicapped. That the right to life is not based on what we can produce or what we can do, but it's based on, on being a human being. Bishop von Galen was already well known, but these three sermons in 1941 made him even better known. The sermons somehow got into the hands of British forces. We made millions of copies and dropped them from airplanes all over Germany. Germans started making their own copies of the sermons and distributing them. People sometimes just looked in the phone book and gathered addresses and mailed off sermons or other materials to, to strangers, just trying to spread them as widely as possible. One copy ended up in the mailbox of Hans Scholl, a founding member of the White Rose Resistance Movement. When Scholl saw this, or read this sermon that came in the mail, he said, we need to get a duplicating machine. So that was really the, the, the start of their or at least the broadening of, of their resistance work. And though Bishop van Galen himself was never arrested for his rousing rhetoric, the people copying and distributing those sermons were frequently arrested. In the year 1943, American forces again bombed the city of Münster and destroyed the Episcopal Palace. Bishop van Galen was inside, but he survived. He moved into the local seminary, then parts of the seminary were bombed. We moved to a place called Sendenhorst. I think it's about 20 miles out of Munster and uh, was there until after the end of the war. In September of 1945, the war came to an end. Father Daniel said Bishop van Galen then set out to counter American and British propaganda, that all Germans were responsible for the crimes of Nazism and Hitler. He 
repeatedly said that this is, is unfair. Punish the guilty, but not the innocent. Later that year, it was announced that Pius XII would hold the largest consistory in history. Up to that point, the Pope planned to elevate 30 men to the College of Cardinals, including Bishop van Galen and two other German bishops. This was received with great rejoicing, not only in, in Munster, but kind of throughout Germany and in some ways throughout the world. He took it as, as a sign that the Pope recognizes the message that he was trying to get across, that not all Germans are guilty, uh, and that Germany should be welcomed back into the community of nations. After travelling to Rome to receive his red hat, the new Cardinal von Galen returned to his Diocese of Münster for the very first time since the end of the war. Because the city was all bombed out, nothing had been rebuilt yet, and uh, most of the rubble had been piled up so you could move around a bit, they had to have the, the uh, celebration outside. And about 50,000 people gathered in the streets and in, in the bombed out area in front of the cathedral uh, for, a, for a very joyous celebration of his being made a cardinal, which he took as the Holy Father's acknowledgement that all of the people of Munster uh, were faithful to, or the great majority of them were faithful to the church and to, and to the faith and to Christian morality uh, during those horrible years. The Pope was, was honoring the people of Munster as well as him. Six days later, Cardinal von Galen died due to complications from a ruptured appendix. And then the crowds could come back out into the streets again for the, uh, for the funeral. Cardinal von Galen's title as the Lion of Münster was actually first introduced at his funeral. One of his fellow cardinals preached the funeral sermon and spoke about the recent consistory. When the crowds in Rome saw Bishop von Galen approaching the Holy Father to receive the red hat, and he was a big, big man, so he was easily recognizable. He was like six and a half feet tall and big. They all started nudging each other and saying, Conte de Galen, the Italian way of saying Count von Galen, Il Vescovo di Munster. And apparently, either Cardinal Frings heard this or thought he heard it, not only was von Galen regarded as the hero of the consistory, people were calling him the Lion of Munster. Devotion to Cardinal von Galen, the Lion of Münster, spread rapidly outside of Germany in the years after the war. He was beatified in 2005. Father Daniel said he has high hopes for Blessed von Galen's eventual canonization. But, he said, the process has taken time, because many Germans prefer to avoid discussion of that period in history. some sense, uh, among Germans, there's a, there's a lot of desire to forget about the whole period. You know, they've had enough of, of having to, to learn, oh my gosh, our people were responsible for the Holocaust and all these evils. The attempts to talk about good Germans during that period, well, that's probably just trying to whitewash something. Some Germans just don't want to have anything to, to do with uh, discussing that period at all anymore. However, he said, Blessed von Galen is a much-needed witness to the bold defense of the Catholic faith. He gives us an example of, of courage, of speaking the truth, and, and part, of the, part of what's behind speaking the truth is kind of knowing the truth, knowing your faith and, and what it implies for how you should live personally and, and politically as well as 
you know, this is not just a matter of, of an hour on Sunday, but the Christ and the truths that he teaches us through his church needs to be put at the, at the center of our lives. For CNA Newsroom, I am Anjan Christoph Wimmer. CNA Newsroom is a production of Catholic News Agency, a service of EWTN News. I'm your host, J.D. Flynn. We're produced and edited by Kate Vike and Jonah McKeown. Our executive producer is the Lion of Englewood, Kate Vike. Special thanks this week to Father Daniel Utrecht for talking with us about the Lion of Munster. Until next time, auf Wiederhören und hoffentlich bis bald bei CNA Newsroom.